Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Podmoth. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to another episode of The Identity Podcast on the Podmoth Media Network, your bi-weekly foray into the weird, wonky, and sometimes downright spooky. As you all know by now, I receive a lot of listener-submitted tales of the weird and paranormal. It's getting to the point that I'm having to have one show per season that focuses on these stories alone as my email is ready to burst. This time around, I thought I'd pull out some submissions that focus on travel, short trips and longer ones, and hotels slash motels. Traveling and staying in an unfamiliar place can be stressful, and you never know what sort of things you might encounter. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you all about the new merch on the Bonfire site. I'll drop the link in the show notes so that you can navigate there easily. The Spooky Season shirt will only be available for the month of October, so spook yourself on over to bonfire.com forward slash identity pod and snag one before they're gone. I also wanted to announce that I'm now part of the Zox Ambassador Program. Zox armbands are stylish and comfortable, and the designs that they offer are colorful and creative. There are bands that feature motivational quotes on the underside, and beautiful art on the top, which means they're reversible, and some are just fun. I'm wearing the Ice Cream Float armband right now. It's got bomb pops and rocket chips on it. It's pretty slick. I'm actually always wearing one of these armbands. You can watch any of my odd collection videos and see some of the ones that I have. And when I need a pick-me-up, or I just want to add a little color to my day, Zox armbands are my go-to accessory. Pop on over to Zox.LA and browse their collection. And when you go to check out, don't forget to use code IDENTITY to let them know that Creepy McGee sent you. You'll save 15% on your order. And now, on with the show. Brandy, Denver, Colorado. I travel a lot for work and often find myself in new motels. I'm actually really surprised how many mom-and-pop motels there are out there. My secretary usually just shops for the best deal and books a few months in advance, so I never really know anything about the locations before I get there. 
She sends me the address, and I take an Uber from the airport. I generally don't spend too much time in my room, because I'm running all day. Without giving out too much information, I'm a trainer for a large company, and so my job involves running training sessions throughout the day and running from one site to another. I arrived in Boston on a very rainy evening and took an Uber from the airport directly to the motel that my secretary had booked. I took my laptop out of my bag and began working on the PowerPoint for next morning's training session, so admittedly I wasn't really paying attention. As the driver made his way to the destination, I began to notice that the houses were becoming sparser. We were definitely outside the city, and even the streetlights were starting to space out more. We were surrounded by woods, and I began to worry a little. I started to ask the driver how far we were from the destination, but before I could get the words out, he pulled off the main road and onto a gravel drive. I saw the motel sign and a small building that must have been check-in. The driver stopped at the small building and I gathered my things sliding out of the car and watched my chauffeur drive back down the gravel drive, around the corner, and out of sight. I walked up to the building and knocked on the window. There wasn't actually a lobby, just a walk-up window. A little old lady, likely in her 80s, came to the window and asked my name, and we went over checkout time, the fact that it was a non-smoking room, and she handed me a few extra towels as I'd be staying a few days. I found my room just around the corner from the desk, and settled in fairly quickly. The room was $30 a night, and appeared clean. It seemed like a great bargain. I unpacked a little, showered, and crawled into bed. I fell asleep almost immediately, exhausted from my trip, but woke with a start a few hours later. I thought I could hear a woman screaming, the sound seeming relatively close to my room. I stiffened and was terrified, but got out of bed and pulled open one of the curtains slightly to peek outside. I couldn't see anything out of the ordinary in the parking lot, such as it was, so I opened the curtain a little wider so I could see the check-in. Only the check-in window was really in view and not the whole thing, but I could see a little of the right side of the window and a little of the interior of the office. The screaming persisted, and suddenly a figure came into view, slamming its fists into the window over and over. It appeared to be a large man. He had to have been over six feet tall, and he was wearing all black. The screaming continued, and I ran from the window to grab my cell. I called 911 and informed them of what I saw. They asked the location and said that they'd sent a car. About ten minutes later, a police cruiser pulled into the lot, and I put my jacket and shoes on to join the other onlookers in the parking lot. The woman from check-in was standing with the police, and she looked confused. I was sure it had to have been her screaming, but she seemed fine, and when the police left, I went over to her. I asked her if she was alright, and she looked at me quizzically. I explained I'd heard her screaming, and seen a large figure banging on the check-in window. The confusion went away. You saw our ghost, she said. Your ghost? She said yes, that there was a spirit that haunted the motel and had been there since before she and her now-deceased husband had purchased the motel in the 70s. 
she said that she was actually surprised that the cops showed up, because they get pretty consistent calls about it. I went back to my room kind of dazed and really confused, because I knew what I'd seen. I went back to bed and thought for sure I wouldn't be able to sleep, but again, I fell asleep quickly. In the morning, I gathered my things and called an Uber to take me to the office complex that I would call my work address for the next day and a half. I stopped at the desk to let them know that I wouldn't need housekeeping, and the lady from earlier that morning was there. I said good morning, told her about the housekeeping stuff while I waited for my car. She didn't mention what happened that morning. In fact, she acted as if we'd never spoken aside from our check-in conversation. I decided to bring up the ghost. So, what happened this morning? It happens often, does it? She just stared at me. The ghost, I said. The screaming? She looked at me like I was completely insane. She never answered me either way, and I never brought it up again. The remainder of my stay at the motel was uneventful, and I didn't hear the screaming or see the figure again. Robert, Ontario, Canada When I was in my teens, I decided to go on a road trip. I'd just gotten my license, and I was anxious to get out of the house and be on my own with my newfound freedom. My mother wasn't really happy about the idea, but my dad seemed to understand and gave me some money for gas and motels. I'd been saving up for a couple of years and had some money of my own, but everyone knows that their parents' money is better than your own when you're that age. Anyway, it was summer, and I decided to go on a one-week trip. No particular destination in mind, just a trip to see some of the country. I packed up and left on a Monday morning, telling my parents that I would be back on Sunday night, and assuring my mother that I wouldn't be axe-murdered. She was a paranoid type. After about eight hours of driving, I'd left from my hometown of Hamilton, Ontario, I reached Quebec City. I won't mention any names, but I chose to stay at a motel that's just off the highway that was relatively cheap. I was excited. This would be the first time I'd ever stayed anywhere alone like this, and having my own motel room was kind of like having my own little house. I paid for the room, a whopping $25 and change, grabbed the keys, and made my way to my room. The room was all the way at the back of the lot, so I drove there and I parked my car right outside. Because the room was located so far back on the property, I couldn't really see the main building or the check-in area, so it would be a bit of a trek in the morning to go grab a donut and some coffee, but that was alright by me. It was getting late by the time I showered and ate dinner. I'd packed some peanut butter sandwiches to save money on takeout and convenience stores, so I decided to go to bed. I wanted to wake up early in the morning, do a little sightseeing, and then hit the road again. I woke up to the phone ringing. It was still dark outside, so I figured it was pretty early in the morning. I picked up the receiver and grunted a hello. Hey, this is the front desk. I'm getting some noise complaints. Why would you be getting noise complaints? I've been asleep. Are you sure there's nobody else there who would be making noise? The voice was kind of deep and gravelly. I was starting to get angry. 
No, there's nobody else making noise. Alright, thank you. I was kind of angry about the interaction. They likely thought that just because I was a kid, I was back here having some wild party with a bunch of my friends. I decided to see if I could go back to sleep and grab a few more hours when I heard a noise outside my door. It sounded like scratching, like some animal was digging around out there. Then the noise got a little louder, and the doorknob started to jiggle. I got out of my bed quietly and went to the door. There was no chain for the door, only the push lock on the knob. When I listened closely, I thought I could hear heavy breathing. I looked out through the peephole, and I could just make out someone's shoulder and what looked like scraggly long black hair. I jumped away from the door and started to panic. The lock on the door was nothing to talk about, just a flimsy thing, and whoever it was could get in easily without very much effort. I grabbed a small nightstand from the bed and put it in front of the door, and then I turned on the TV, turning up the volume. Then I started talking as if I was talking to one of my friends about what was on TV. The noise at the door stopped, and when I looked out through the peephole again, there was nobody there. That night, I slept on the floor with my back against the nightstand and the TV on. The next morning, I packed up and checked through the peephole before heading to my car. I didn't see anyone around, and I kind of rushed to get out of the room so I could lock myself in my car and drive to the front desk to check out. When I got to the front desk, I waited for my receipt, and I went to grab a donut and some coffee from the little stand that they had in the lobby. As I was making my coffee... The lady at the front desk came over to refresh the station, and I asked who had called my room last night. She said that she'd been on for the last six hours and hadn't called anyone. I said, so nobody here called about a noise complaint? She shook her head no, and told me that it would have only been her that called. I took my donut and coffee and got in my car. I drove home that day because I was so freaked out. The only explanation I can think of is that someone had seen me check in and called my room to see if I was alone. When I turned on the TV and started talking seemingly to someone else, they figured I wasn't alone and left. I still have issues traveling and staying in hotels and motels, and this happened almost 20 years ago. Lee, Shenyang, China I'll do my best to tell you my ghost story, as my English isn't very good. In my culture, there is a lot of variety when it comes to ghosts and supernatural creatures, and Chinese culture is very in tune with their ancestors and ancestor worship. My town held a yearly celebration on the 15th night of the 7th month, called the Ghost Festival, when we would celebrate and honor our ancestors. In the Ghost Month, spirits of deceased ancestors travel from the underworld, or the realm of the dead, to visit those who are living. My grandmother, who also lived with us, there were five of us living in a small house, was adamant that we celebrate every year, even though my parents were not so much into celebrating. We would all work together to clean and prepare a space in the house for offerings and burn incense to welcome our deceased relatives home. Ghost Festival also meant that my grandmother's friend Yao would visit. Yao was a medium, and would come to connect us with our relatives in a ceremony. 
You would think that this part would be the spookiest thing that happened during the festival, but this is not so. My grandmother and I had to go to the shopping center to pick up some groceries in order to make our offerings. We prepare a large meal for our ancestors and set the table as if they were coming to dinner. We even serve them food that they may have liked when they were living. It is believed that the ghosts are released from the underworld when the sun sets, so we were in kind of a hurry to get our shopping done and get back home. My grandmother and I had gotten almost all we needed. We just had to stop at one more shop that was on the upper level of the shopping center. We decided to take the elevator, as this would be quicker. The inside of the elevator was silver, and it had mirrors on it. I remember fixing my hair in the mirror, and seeing something move out of the corner of my eye. Something was there, but my grandmother and I were the only ones in the elevator. I asked my grandmother if she had seen it, but she hadn't. I thought it was just a trick of my eyes, so I continued looking straight ahead waiting for the doors to open. I noticed my grandmother was smiling, and I turned to face her to ask her what she was smiling about. When I looked at her, her face was relaxed, and she wasn't smiling. When I looked into the mirror on the doors again, she was still smiling, and I noticed that her eyes were black. I gasped and moved back to the corner of the elevator, and my grandmother turned to ask me what was wrong. In the reflection of the door, nothing had changed, even though she had her back to the mirror. The reflection was still looking at me, smiling. Evan, Milwaukee. When I was nine, my best friend died. He had cancer and he went pretty quickly. I think it was only about a year after his diagnosis that he passed. I went to the funeral, but I sat in the back and I refused to go anywhere near the casket. I never saw my friend lying there, so I think somewhere in my mind it made me disbelieve that he died at all. For the next few years, I would see him off and on, but it would be from a distance. I'd be at the movies and I'd see him in the crowd when the movies let out. I could never find him afterward. When I got older, I kind of stopped thinking about him. He was part of my childhood life, and I'd moved on to graduate high school and go to college. By the time I graduated college, I never really thought about him at all. My first job out of college was for a company that sold lighting. It's a large company, and I was in sales, so I had to travel a little bit. I don't enjoy traveling, but I figured I was still young. I didn't have a girlfriend or any kids to worry about, so my time was pretty much my own. I figured there was plenty of time for all that other stuff later on. The first business trip I had to go on was to Arkansas. I'd never been before. I was born and raised in Milwaukee, so I was kind of excited to go. I even bought special luggage so that I could travel in style and arrive at my destination with a fresh suit to change into. When my plane landed, I hopped into a taxi and took it to the hotel near Fayetteville, where I would spend the next couple of days between meetings. The hotel seemed clean enough, and the clerk at the desk was really nice, even giving me extra soap and toothpaste, because I forgot mine. My room was pretty nice and relatively clean, so I figured I'd be comfortable there. I unpacked, hung my garment bag, and I went to shower. 
While I was in the shower, I thought I heard the room phone ringing. I ignored it, thinking I'd call down to the desk when I was done. Once it stopped ringing the first time, though, it began to ring again. I swore under my breath, but assumed it was some sort of emergency, so I jumped out and wrapped myself in a towel to grab it. When I answered and said hello, there was no response. It sounded like someone was speaking through their hand, or from very far away. I said I was sorry I couldn't understand what they were saying, so they should call back. I hung up, sat on the bed, and waited. The phone didn't ring. After five or so minutes, I decided to go wash the soap out of my hair. The minute I got back in the shower and turned on the water, the phone started ringing again. I was inventing curse words at that point because the phone continued to ring while I washed the soap out of my hair and toweled off. I grabbed a pair of shorts and a polo out of my bag and threw them on, grabbing up the receiver. My hello was a little more irritated this time. The voice on the other end sounded male, but really young. It sounded like it was saying forget or forgot. That was the only word I could really pick out. I hung up the phone again and called down to the front desk. I asked if anyone had been put through to my room, and she said that there had been no calls come through. I ordered a pizza and laid back on my bed to watch some TV, but in between flipping channels, I thought I could hear someone speaking. It sounded tinny, like the voice was coming through a tin can. I reached over to check the receiver, but it was on the cradle. When I turned back to look at the TV, I could see a small boy standing in the corner of the room. I only had a small light on by the bed, and the light of the TV allowed me to see his hair, his face, and some of his clothing. I sat up instantly, feeling a chill run through me. I rubbed my eyes, and when my eyes focused again, the boy was gone. It's safe to say I didn't sleep that night. The boy looked like my friend, the one who had died when I was nine, and I never forgot about him again. That's it for this week, dear listeners. Tune in next time for more tales of the creepy, weird, and paranormal. Until then, stay spooky. The Identity Podcast is brought to you by host Janine Mercer, and the music was created using GarageBand. Find The Odd Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at IdentityPod, and on Facebook as The Identity Podcast. A transcript of this episode will be available at theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Got a paranormal experience to share? Send those along to theidentitypodcast at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment to mash that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. And don't forget to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about this podcast. Every little bit helps. Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Abigail. We're sisters. And we believe in ghosts. Welcome to Supernatural Sisters, a podcast all about ghostly encounters, bone-chilling monsters, and basically anything that goes bump in the night. Each week, we talk about a haunted place, a legendary monster, 
or a story that sends shivers down our spine. And maybe we'll talk about the pottery scene from Ghost. He's not a ghost in that scene. There are other parts of that movie where he's a ghost. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And remember, we, we believe, believe you. you.